This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. This is Casey, and you are listening to the Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, a place for inspiration and information on the parenting journey. I'm super excited about today's show because I have my friend who I love, Amy Lang from Birds and Bees and Kids, that is joining us today. And so we're talking about sex and sexual development and talking to our kids about sex and sexual development. So I have labeled this episode as explicit, not because we're getting into the mechanics of, you know, bumping and grinding, but because we're going to be talking about, you know, kind of a, what do I say? Fragile? No, that's not a good word. I don't know what a good word is for it, but we're talking about a, a, a subject that maybe you don't want blasting through your home if your kids are around. So um, stick your earbuds in, plug in your headphones, and uh, fold some laundry or take a drive or do what you need to do, take a run, and listen in on the conversation. It was so, so fun to talk to Amy about this subject, which often gets really weighty and uncomfortable. She just has a gift for making it not feel like that. So I'm stoked that you're listening, and uh, I love your feedback. Okay, so be sure after the podcast to uh, send me a message about what landed or feel free to use the SpeakPipe app to send me a voice message about what you loved about the show. All right, so without further ado, let's talk to Amy. Amy Lang, I am so glad that you agreed to come on the Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast. Welcome. Thank you. I would not say no to you. You're one of my favorite parent educators ever. I know. I love that. You are my friend and I keep you on speed dial as I navigate. I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Send really long texts. Um, as I navigate the sexual development of my kids. Oh my gosh. Even saying that out loud is crazy. The sexual development of my kids. Tell the listeners about yourself, your background and, and all your good stuff. Yeah. 
I will tell all my good stuff. So I am a sexual health educator and I have been for a very, very long time, over 20 years. And originally I worked with teenagers and adults and I was so happy and able and willing to help people who were dealing with unplanned pregnancies or needed STD testing. I loved doing that work and I thought I was going to be an amazing sex talker when it came time for me to talk to my own child. And I was a mess. I basically freaked out when I thought he was going to tell me it felt good to touch his penis. And I knew I was in trouble. And so I had this aha moment. And I also have a background as an adult educator. That's what my master's focus was. And so I thought, you know what? I love talking about sex and I love working with adults. So I'm just going to combine these two loves and I will teach parents how to talk to their kids about sex. And that was about 10 years ago. And I've been going strong ever since. So that's what I do. And I work with parents of primarily kids ages like three or four, sort of preschool into early middle school, like just starting middle school. That's my sweet spot. And Tell us I, about your business. So it's called Birds and Bees and Kids. And the website is birdsandbeesandkids.com. And I'm on Facebook, Birds, Bees, Kids. And I'm on Twitter, Birds and Bees, which I think is like the biggest Twitter coup ever. Can you believe that's my Twitter handle? <laughs> birds and bees. Um, so I am very active there and I have helped thousands, I think, but maybe a million, maybe a million parents by now or yeah, kids anyway. Let's say millions. I like that. I like yeah. That millions uh, of adults primarily figure out how to talk about this really uncomfortable and confusing and uh, seemingly complicated part of life and parenting. I've heard you speak and you have, you often, I hear you saying that starting the sex talk early is really important. And I hear in my own little circles, fears from parents or not even so much fears, like just the stories that people will say like, oh, they asked me how babies were born. He, he, he. And this is what I came up with or, you know, the little pet names about things. And what I've heard you talk about is really like, Keep it real, keep it, you know, appropriate for the age, but also don't like pet names are not needed and tell them the truth with, and, and it's funny too, because I don't know, when I talk to parents about what I've shared with my kids, like telling them where babies come from does, is not the same as saying the penis goes in the vagina and then you pump and pump and pump and pump. And, I mean, like, I don't add right. that part. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So tell us what you mean when you talk about encouraging parents to get talking early. Yeah. Thank you. And yes, you are right. It is not a, we are not the joy of sex or the common sutra for our children. That's, you know, something for them to figure out how to do it is something that's going to happen. Hopefully when they're in their late twenties, early thirties, something <laughs> like that, good. but they've got a long way to go to get there. So yeah, my belief and all of my work is research-based. I really spend a lot of time trying to figure out what we can do as parents to help our kids wait as long as possible before they have sex. And then when they do make that decision to do it safely, emotionally, and physically safely. So one of the things I discovered, and this was 10 years ago, so it was pretty crazy, and people still think it's crazy, that in countries where they do really, really well in terms of kids' sexual health, they have really early conversations. So when kids are in kindergarten, they talk to them about how babies are made. And it is the penis goes in the vagina, but it's not, and pump and pump and pump. <laughs> it's the general basic nuts and bolts of penises and vaginas and sperms and eggs and 
babies growing in uteruses and eventually coming out mama's vaginas. So it's how babies are made. It's that whole process of baby making. And if you think about it in terms of it's the science, like we start with our young kids with the science and the biology and the beauty of talking to a kid who's five or four is that they are all ears. They're totally open. They don't think there's anything yucky, bad, embarrassing, shameful about this part of life. That's what we bring to the party. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, that's something that we teach our kids. So our kids are super open and they're funny. Uh, you know, I, I, parents tell me all the time, yeah, I told my kid penis goes in the vagina. And, you know, and they said, well, they usually say, oh, huh, really? <laughs> Did you do that? Just once? Yeah. <laughs> About my house, just the one time. And kids, I mean, the funniest thing I think anyone has ever, a kid has ever said that anyone's ever told me is that uh, a little girl, she was about six. And the, ne the next day she came up to her mom and she said, so was that comfortable for you? <laughs> Which I love. And the mom fielded it pretty well. So, you know, my firm belief is that the more open we are, the more honest we are, you know, the safer kids are like, there's tons of evidence now that informed kids are empowered kids. So when your daughter knows she's got a vulva, that's what you can see on the outside where the labia are. It's, it's Latin in Latin. It means covering oh. and a vagina, which is on the inside. She's safer because when, if uncle creepy tries to touch her privates and she's like, dude, don't touch my vulva. He's going to be like, uh, yeah, never mind." Not going to mess with you because you're well informed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's just a matter. And it's also, I mean, it's just so dumb. I mean, it's not dumb. Sorry. Because I know people really stress out about this. Sorry. I can, I'm talking to you. You're my friend. It's okay. <laughs> but I no, just get I frustrated get because we're so worked up about something that is so fundamentally important to being human. Yeah. Like sex drives everything we do sex, sexuality, which is all about relationships and connection. That drives everything we do. It's in our families. It's in our family units. It's how we relate to each other. I mean, it's a huge part of our culture. If we think about just like media, right? And music, it's all about sex and love and being in love and broken hearts. And, you know, we see it everywhere and we run around trying to pretend like it's not happening. And so our poor children are like, why are you so weird and secretive about this? And why is it everywhere? Like, what yeah. the hell am I supposed to do with that? It is everywhere, too. I mean, you you don't – listening with parent ears to, like, pop music, there are some songs when I hear my kids singing along, I have to change the channel because I'm like, um, I don't know how I feel. I mean, I know they're clueless as to what the song is about, but I'm yeah. not. So sometimes yeah. it's like, uh, let's change the station. Let's see what else is on. But at the same time, I – we have lots of conversations. So thank yes. you for that because yeah. we have lots and lots of conversations about body and relationship and all sorts of stuff. So, Good. and that has been a way that you've been really supportive in my life, you know, <laughs> on speed dial, but also just your website and your offers and your, I love your newsletter list and all your scripts that you send out because especially at the beginning of the school year, when you send yep. out the porn on the bus. Yeah. email and it's like kids are getting on the bus kids have smartphones kids are looking at porn here's some outs here's some ways of talking about it with your kids here's some ways to help them navigate you know neighbor boy saying check this out in a way that still saves face and 
helps them, right? Because it's everywhere. And I remember you saying to me too recently um, that it is harder for kids to avoid porn now than it was for them to find it back when we were kids. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that, you know, I love my iPad and I love my iPhone and I love that access, that instant access. But what I hate about those things is that instant access because kids are online all the time now. And, you know, I had a family call me because their six-year-old was really, really interested in breastfeeding. And so they would look at breastfeeding videos and pictures of mom's breastfeeding and they would talk about it. And one day she found him with the iPad and it wasn't typical that he would have the iPad without supervision, but they were on vacation, I think, and found the iPad with him with the iPad. He's in the bedroom and she's like, hey, what are you looking at? Nothing. Oh, no. Right. And he's hiding it. And she's like, oh, great. So she looked at the iPad and he had figured out how to open the another browser, not the KidSafe browser they were using, another browser. And he was had made his way from breastfeeding into some porn. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't happen, you know, with kids that age, it's not happening because they're necessarily specifically looking for porn, but they're curious. And the, we all do it. Like we call it the oracle. Like our joke in our family is that there's no not knowing. Yeah. So, you know, when you're six and you want to know what something is, you just go ahead and Google sex because that bigger kid said something about sex. So you Google sex because that's what you do. And then what do you find? Porn. Porn. And, you know, the thing about porn and kids is that especially, I mean, I think, I mean, I am anti-porn for anybody under the age of, if I had my way, I would say under the age of 21, because, just because of brain development. So our brain, their brains are developing and their sexuality is developing. And so if they are consuming this porn that is sex, and I'm making air quotes because it's not real sex. It's somebody's imagined idea of what sex could possibly be. It starts in the middle. It's not real. It's, it's not real on so many levels. Um, so, so their hearts and their minds are really not capable of comprehending what they're seeing, especially the younger they are. It's very damaging to them. It can be, it can be really confusing. It can be really scary. And because they get a literally a thrill, no matter how old you are, you get a thrill, a little dopamine hit. You see that, or I don't know, serotonin, some kind of chemical wah, wah, wah thing goes on. Um, you go, they go back. And sometimes they go back because of the thrill. If they're older and adolescents, sometimes they go back because of the perversion, like the perverseness of it. They can't believe it and they can't stop looking at it. It's like looking at a train wreck. So, you know, I get very frustrated with families who have unrestricted screen time, who aren't using monitoring software, who are running around thinking, oh, no, not my kid. Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. 
When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Why am I my kid? And your kid's not going to do it on purpose. Yeah. It's going to happen. Like, do not Google Harry Pooter. <laughs> Don't Google Harry Pooter. Just saying. It's a small little miss, you know, small little typo that makes a big difference, right? Big, 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 big difference. Yes. I mean, I know we're good. I mean, I know you didn't necessarily want me to talk about the porn thing. But the reason well, we okay. need to talk about the porn thing is because of... This, um, because what's happening is that our kids are getting this very steady diet of what I call junk food sex education. So it's junk food. It's crap. It's not healthy. So it's porn. It's even, it's, it's porn. It's conversations on the playground. It's, um, music, it's lyrics and song lyrics. It's, um, even sex ed at school. So I, I don't, I am a super fan of sex ed at school but they can barely do anything in terms of what they really need to be doing. So, so I would not say that sex at, so I'm going to put porn in the McDonald's junk food land. And then we're going to put, um, we're going to put sex ed at school in the more like, uh, what's that like Chili's or Qdoba, right? Like TGI Fridays. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yes. 
slightly better, like Red Robin, like chain yeah. food, right? So it's healthier, yeah. but really it's not, right? Right. I mean, it's just not as good. So, so we've got that going on. So we're talking steady diet, steady, steady diet of that. And then what happens is that they are missing out on what they should be getting at home, which is really the whole foods diet of sex education, right. which is what you're doing, which is lots of short and sweet conversations from a really early age, being really clear about what goes where and with whom and when, um, talking about body changes, talking about boundaries, talking about sex and sexuality and re- presenting it as a really healthy, ha- healthy, happy, normal part of life, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and presenting it, you know, with your values, with your values. So the, the, you know, the, the junk food stuff is doesn't, doesn't have, they don't share your values, right? Those sources don't share your values and your values are one of the most important things you need to talk to your kids about when it comes to sex. So if you've got the, the, uh, brown rice and tofu and veggies going on, right? Then when you occasionally hit the McDonald's, it's not going to do as much damage as if that's the full steady diet. Right. So, so, you know, my, my belief is that this is sexuality is the final kind of the last frontier of child development. You know, we've been focusing on every other bit of child development. We've run it into the ground. Like, is there going to be something new about learning? I don't think so, honestly, but the place we're falling down for our kids or the place that we're, the thing we're ignoring is sexuality, which is part of being human. It is part of what makes us human. And it's with us from the beginning. And there is so much emotional baggage around it that it makes sense why parents get so wiggly and squiggly. And, you know, and it's funny talking about sex ed in school. So um, when my daughter was in fifth grade, she said, so mom, you can go to the library and watch the videos. Do you want to go watch the videos and like preview what we're going to do? And I looked at her and I said, do you think that they're going to tell you anything that you haven't already heard? And she, and she kind of looked at me and I don't think it occurred to her to think about it like that. And then, and then like this look on her face, like, Oh geez, I hope not. Like there's more. (laughs) Oh God, no. I said, babe, I am, I am fully confident that it's going to be just fine. And, and even in sixth grade, you know, came home. She was a little mortified because, you know, there's like she had homework, which was a crossword puzzle. And she said, yeah, right now I'm trying to figure out where to put menstruation on the crossword puzzle. Yeah. And I was just yeah. cracking up. So, yeah, it's pretty tame. And for kids that don't get any conversation at home, it's a start. Yes. And yes. I love what you said about small conversations frequently. Yes. Right. Because yeah. that's how that's how it's been here. And and it's so funny. And I wanted to ask you, too, because, yes, when they're four and five and like, whoa, this is so fascinating and I'm not totally floored by it. Like you kind of share it as it's something normal and we'll just talk about it. One thing I do know, though, is um, sometimes parents start to say things like, well, I don't want my kid to be the one that tells all the other kids you know, and so that then it gets kind of messy because then you're saying things like, well, this isn't something that you want to talk about with your friends. And then there's all sorts of messages in that, too. And it is what it is. It's yeah. just messy. It's, well, I mean, it, it, it is it can be messy, but um, it doesn't really have to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, one of the things about parenting is that it's hard And I think in particular, if you're a parent who pays attention to your intuition and you trust your gut when your gut says, 
now I'm just going to add one caveat. <laughs> when it comes to trusting our guts about when it's okay to talk to kids about sex, don't listen to your gut because you're wrong. Pretty much everybody's wrong. Okay. Because we all, our gut says 10. Our gut says when they ask. Yeah. Our gut says, well, she should know about her period probably before she has her period. That's what our gut tells us. That's just a lack of information. So we can't trust our gut when it comes to when to have the conversation with our kids because we have been given a major pile of crap in terms of what that's supposed to look like, partially because of how we were taught, partially because schools do it in fifth grade because that's safe. Right. Right. It feels okay. That's actually not helpful to your kids. That's actually way late in the game. Um, better than never, but way late in the game. Um, so parenting is hard. And then if you're trusting your intuition, if you get, so you're going to get some information from me more in just a second, right? You're already thinking, oh crap, I need to talk to my kid. Maybe, um, you're going to get more information and your gut will tell you, um, that like, for me, one of my big things with Milo, who's now 14 and a half, is that we had, we, he was not allowed to play first person shooter games um, until he wasn't allowed. His nine and 10 and 11 year old friends were playing these games, and I, they are against my values, especially in particular for a young child. That to me is a young child. Like that is, it was not okay for me for him, in our family. So that's what my intuition told me. That was my strong value and my belief. And so I would tell, his friends, parents of his friends said, Milo can't play those games. And it was uncomfortable. And it was uncomfortable. And we stuck to it until we don't, until things have shifted. He's 14 and a half. He knows our values. He's really good about what he's doing. We talk about his gaming. He has those games now. He buys them himself. We won't buy them for him. He has to save his own money or be gifted money. Mm -hmm. And that, um, so that's just an example of being kind of an outlier parent. So when it comes to parenting around sexuality, outlier parents have to put up with this discomfort around, if I tell my kid from an early age, are they going to tell everyone, right? And you know what? They might. Yeah. But if you say, this is a private conversation we have in our family, it's not your job to tell other kids, right? It's not your job. It's their mom and dad's. It's their parents' job to tell other kids. I like that. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make it a secret. And you can say people are really weird about yeah. sex. They're uncomfortable. It's so dumb. We think it's ridiculous, but there it is. And we don't want people to be uncomfortable. So it's safer if you talk to me or daddy or mommy or whoever you're parenting with and a couple safe adults about this. It's okay for you to talk to us about this. And then that sets them up to have some boundaries around it. And the bottom line is you cannot control them. Yeah. You cannot put duct tape over their mouth and say, you know, good luck out there. So they very well may tell. Yeah. But here's the thing they ha we have to remember is like telling your kids and talking to your kids openly about sex and sexuality is protective. It teaches them um, that their bodies are private. It teaches them about when it's okay to have sex, what's appropriate. So it's protective in terms of sexual abuse prevention. Just even the, simple, the little thing of using the correct names for private body parts. So if your child is talking to other kids about this, it um, they're probably going to be accurate. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so your kid's going to fill in another kid. You know, as your kids get older, you have to talk about BJs and you've got to talk about all kinds of things, right? I mean, it's not just penis oh and vagina gosh. baby making. When do I have to talk about BJs? I'm it hasn't thinking, come up yet. You have to bring it up, darling. I'm thinking <laughs> this summer is perfect, right? Are we off to middle school? Are we in middle school? Yep, We're off yep, to middle school, yep. yeah. We've had a year of middle school moving yeah, oh, into yeah. seventh grade. Yeah, you need to talk to her about it. Yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what would be a lead-in for that? Like... 
I mean, because I'm really good. We have great conversations. And she is like, oh, God, mom. Right. Like, I already told her, you know, because one of the things she learned that was new this year in sex ed was sack, like the testes. And I said, oh. I said, oh, yeah, I can never hear the word sack without thinking about ball sacks. And she was totally appalled that I would say that out loud. I said, well, what? And now you're not going to be able to hear the word sack without thinking ball sacks. Ha, 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 ha. And I've talked to her, too, about, you know, the reason I keep bringing this stuff up is because one day you're going to want some, you know, you're going to you're going to like boys if it's not already happening. Like, you're going to like boys and you're going to have questions. And I just want you to know that I can totally handle it. And that's why yeah. I keep bringing it up because I'm right. here, I'm ready, and I'm available. But as far as like, let's talk about blowjobs, maybe I start with that. Let me tell yeah, you well, about something. And the other thing too, just to just so you just to sort of compliment you and all to compliment <laughs> you and to tell everybody who's listening, people who are listening, like you're demonstrating your openness by talking about it. Saying I'm open, you can ask me anything is bullshit. It's lip service. Mm-hmm. You have to back it up. So you're constantly perpetually backing it up. So you just say to her, Hey, I've got to talk to you about a sex thing. Yeah. That's it. Okay. That's it. Hey, I gotta talk to you about a sex thing. Have you heard? Do you know what a blowjob is? Have you ever heard of that? And see what she says. Um, and then you, t- and she says, oh yeah, I know what that is. And then you say, this is what it is when one person puts another person's mouth on their penis or on their vulva or clitoris because it feels good. It's for pleasure. Yeah. And then you add your value. Right. Which is something my guess is mine is it's something that is, uh, to people have, have oral sex or that's what that's generally called when they're in a committed relationship. It's part of a sexual relationship. It's not something that's done casually and you don't ever have to do it. I know it sounds gross. That's because you're a kid, Yeah. but people like it. And it's part of it's, you know, it's last name is sex. So oral sex. So it is sex. Yeah. And you're done. Okay. And you're done. So you can text and let me know how it goes. I I know. Sweaty, sweaty. I will. I will. My child says that they have already heard about everything. So you he don't says, need to talk about it with them anymore? No, no. They've heard everything. They don't know what it means. So they talk about all kinds oh, of stuff. Right. And they hear about all kinds of stuff. And this is because of the internet and pornography. They hear about all kinds of things that you and I probably did not know about until we were in our early 30s. Like, I'm not kidding. I mean, I've been a sex educator since I was 22. And I think I just learned about something new the other day. Oh. Playing Cards Against Humanity with my child. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is that? that. Oh, it's hysterical. Oh, it's great. It's hysterical. Um, yeah. And it's a great conversation starter. I'm like, what the, what is that? And Milo's like, oh, but my spouse is like, it's this. And, and Milo corrected him because Carrie mispronounced the word. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, but you want that openness and it's okay. I think the other thing we get hooked into, so we've got this, they're not asking, um, they're not old enough. Uh, they're going to be uncomfortable. Oh, <gasps> yeah. Not that. Yeah, I'm totally okay with that. In fact, I kind of like it. <laughs> yeah, and discomfort's part of life. And your kid's safest place to be uncomfortable is with you. Yeah, for sure. Well, what yeah. about – so, okay, so middle school, since I'm in the throes of it yeah, and early adolescence, so I'm starting – you know, I'm having – I'm exploring the various, you know, facets beyond just this is how babies are born. And, you know, and the whole boyfriend-girlfriend thing is going to show up sooner rather than later I know if it hasn't already because 
I haven't heard. I ask, but yeah. she says, oh, no. Anyway, what? so what are some things to that you share with parents to think about as our kids start to come into this age of, like, interested in the opposite or the same, interested in other people sexually? Yeah. Getting romantic. Getting, getting start, romantic. Sexual attractions happening. They're starting Making to have out. romantic feelings. Having romantic feelings. Yes. So the first thing I think we need to – I'm just going to back up a little bit. Okay. So between preschool and probably – um, fifth grade, fourth, fifth grade, the bulk of your focus should be on like the biological stuff, the nuts and bolts of how things work, puberty, um, baby making, um, lots of term defining sex for pleasure. You know, you need to get pretty much all of that out of the way by the time they start middle school. So they should know the basics of everything. Okay. STDs, everything, abortion, all of it. Um, and again, not penis and vagina, pump, 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 yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Not that. Just like this is how things work. Bodies fit together, et cetera. And there are really excellent books to help with that piece of things. Always, always, always talking about our values. Always talking about our values. So when we get into, when kids get into middle school and early adolescence, then the conversation is going to flip. So ideally, if you've done your work well, they know all that stuff. Like they know what most everything is and means and your values behind it. Now you have to start talking about the social and emotional aspects of re- relating. Mm-hmm. So dating, relationships, um, talking about uh, like when you're watching TV or watching movies or shows or whatever, or YouTube videos, and people are in relationship, talking about what you like about their relationship, what concerns you about that really romantic relationship, uh, talking about crushes. I'm normalizing that sort of up and down thing that goes on, right? I mean, I know when I was in the eighth grade, my eighth grade, maybe ninth grade, no, it was eighth grade. My friend Karen had a boyfriend, Eric, and they would invite me, she'd invite me over to the house to hang out and they'd go in the bedroom and make out and leave me alone in her house. <laughs> and I was a shy and um, not particularly uh, assertive human at that point in my life. And I remember feeling really bad and yucky and not having a way to get out. Yeah. Like I should have just left. Yeah. But I was thinking we were going to hang out. And so it just never happened. And I mean, I finally left. I think I called my mom or I don't know what happened, but like talking about how kids get stupid When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence 
whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. How friendships change. Oh, yeah. How they may change. And I think that, you know, looking at one of the ways to talk to kids about this is to ask them what's happening in their peer group. Does anybody have a boyfriend? Does anybody have a girlfriend? What do you think about that? I love that. I love that conversation. Yeah. What do you think about that? How's that going for them? What would you do? Like asking those kinds of what if questions. Um, Probably want to also be, you know, talking more about like when it's okay to become, have a sexual relationship with someone, like what that looks like, talking more about being ready for sex. Uh, Definitely girls need to know if they're having their periods, they can get pregnant. Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. No BS, right? Like straight up because it's empowering to them. Even if they're grossed out, even if they're like, oh my God, I can't believe you're going to talk to me about this. It's empowering to them. And we owe it to our kids to empower them. And we didn't get that in our growing up. I mean, I know I didn't particularly. Yeah. I had books like crazy. I had books coming out my ears, but never a conversation, you know, and that's just not sufficient. It's not sufficient. So how do we keep them from ever having sex? (sighs) Sorry. (laughs) Um... Log cabin, Montana. Yeah, exactly. Nunnery, chastity belts. I mean, I think the thing to know, I mean, I think that's another myth that parents are like, well, if we talk about it openly, they're going to think I'm giving them permission. And kids, we we don't need to ask them again if that's the case. If when you're well informed about sex and sex education and how to prevent pregnancy and sexually transmitted infections, do you equate this with being given permission to have sex? They say no. Yeah. They say no. So we have to let that go because the bottom line is everyone has sex. By the time people are, I think it's 20, I think it's 21. I think it's 21. Um, I think 83% of Americans have had sex. 95% of Americans have sex before they get married. Um, we're getting married later and later and later and later. We're in, our, the women are in and men are in their late 20s, early 30s now. That is a long damn time to go without doing it. And yeah. so nobody, nobody's not doing it. I mean, barely anybody doesn't do it. Right. So we need to set them up to be successful. Right. Right. And if the, your value is for your kids to wait, then you share that, right? That doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean yes. that that's how it's going to roll out. But if that's your value, what I keep hearing you come back to that value piece and how important it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love it's, that. It's hugely important because it's the only thing that you and no one else can give your kids Yeah, is a good sense of your values so they can, you know, so you're influencing them so they can make their own decisions because their kids are going to do what they're going to do. 
And you want to be in their head as much as possible because you want them, well, of course you want them to be, you want to be in their head when they're thinking about having sex because what a turnoff, yeah. right? <laughs> ball sack. Oh, shit, there's this ball sack, says your darling daughter. Damn it. Mother. Oh my gosh, she's never oh going to see ball sacks. What are you talking about? That's right. Sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry, I forgot. I forgot. So, I mean, I think that we just need to, you know, I think we need to say things to our kids. Like we expect you to wait until marriage, if that's true. Don't mm-hmm. say that if that's not true. That's called lying. Right. Our kids have great BS detectors, For especially sure. teenagers. They will smell a rat and you are completely, completely undermine your trustworthiness. Right. And when you do that, and their respect of you too. Right. 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 We don't want to be doing any of that. So you say, I would expect you to wait until you are, you know, senior year in high school, you know, start in college, whatever feels right to you. Right. And um, if you aren't going to wait, then just tell us because we want you to be safe because I'll be damned if I'm going to be a grandparent before I'm ready. Right. True that. And, you know, the new the new thing that's going on in the world of um, contraception and uh, and really teenagers and, and birth control is that there's a very large push towards putting girls on long-acting reversible contraception, LARC. And this is, these are IUDs, uh, Marina IUD, which has some hormones in it, and implants, which are very low-dose hormones. They are the most effective birth control methods. And it's recommended that, that girls start LARC um, in 10th grade. We want them protected. Yeah. It gives them five to seven years of no pregnancy Yay. and bonus no period. Oh, weird. Dries them up. Totally fine. Is it's it? totally fine. Absolutely. There's no medical reason to have a period. It's your body just reabsorbs the the lining of the uterus. Okay. Absolutely no medical reason. And so people have get squeaky, squeaky about that because they think it's a natural process of the body, which it is. Um, but back in the day when we would get pregnant at 14 and then breastfeed and then have six more babies, we didn't bleed. Right. We have 400 periods as opposed to 40 in indigenous cultures. It's totally fine not to bleed. And given a choice, having your period or having a baby, I'm picking a period. Yeah. Right? I'm picking no period over baby just at any time, actually. True. In fact, even when I was trying to get pregnant, I probably would have picked no period over baby. Um, But that doesn't get rid of the condom conversation because that's not going to protect them from STDs. That's not going to protect from STDs, but that is no reason to not put them on birth control. Right, right. So, I mean, I think this makes the most sense of just about anything ever because if you think about the impact of unplanned pregnancy on everyone... And ev- almost everyone who gets pregnant, they're preg- I mean, huge proportion of people's pregnancies were unplanned. Yeah. That means you did not plan, <laughs> right? Unplanned means no planning. Right. Right? Um, poverty, for women in particular, poverty, lack of education. Yeah. I mean, just all kinds of huge social societal impacts. So if we can eradicate unplanned pregnancy uh, or make the unplanned pregnancy a surprise, as opposed to the norm, which it is now, right? Um, then, you know, the world's going to be a better place. It's going to be a better place for our kids. You know, if we can control our fertility, it makes everything better for everyone. And boys and girls are impacted by this. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm totally on my soapbox, but if I had a girl child, if there was birth control available to my male child, he would be on it in the 10th grade. Yeah. 
I mean, it just makes sense to me. And right. we know so much about hormonal birth control now that it doesn't hurt them. Good. So there's been lots of research and studies Tons. and to some like new experimental. Because oh I got to tell you, it does make me feel a little like, it, it, yeah, for what, I don't know why, but to hear like no periods, I don't know why that makes me feel like, oh, that can't be good for the body. <laughs> it's totally fine for the body. Yeah. Okay. It's totally fine. And hello, no period. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Especially for a kid that's athletic or yeah. I mean, for anyone at big crampy, troublesome, yeah. crampy periods. Yeah. Does it anyway. get rid of the adolescent angst? Well, what it does actually is it reduces a girl's concern that she might be pregnant, that she could be pregnant, that she might get pregnant if she's sexually active. And so that anxiety goes down and then she's better able to focus on her studies. She's better able to focus on her relationships. She's better able to focus in her life. So in that respect, it does actually help them. It may, I don't know how it helps with mood, yeah. but it may help with mood some. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, I think that jury, I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't read any research on that in particular, but um, anyway, I mean, even if you're not going to put your daughter on birth control, she still needs to know what it is and where to yeah, get it. And so sure. does your son. Yes, absolutely. Right. We want no BS about condom use and birth control. Yeah. Like, just no... suck it up, mom and dad. Have the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, For sure. Yeah, many yeah. conversations, right? Yeah, many. So, Aim, tell me what are your offers for parents? Tell me about what you what what you have out yeah. there and where they can find more from you because you are so awesome. Thank you. So, what I am really focused on right now is that I believe that children, every child, should grow up to be a whole, healthy, happy adult, and the thing that parents need to do for their kids is start talking to them about sex and sexuality so that they can grow up to be whole, healthy, happy adults. You know, we're not raising kids, we're raising adults. And so right now, um, I'm just really trying to get the word out about my work. I'm not, um, you can go to my website, birdsandbeesandkids.com. And there are lots of videos that are free and webinars. A couple of them are not free, but there's a bunch, of free, a bunch of free stuff there. There are resource lists and books for your kids. And what I want you to do, my offer to you is to give yourself a gift. And that's go watch one of my videos. Go watch Birds and Bees and Kids, The Basics. And you'll calm down about having these conversations because I want you to talk to your kids. I want you to talk to your kids. I really do want to reach a million kids. And I have to do that through their parents. So there's that. Um, follow me on Facebook. It's birds, bees, kids. If you're active on Facebook and I post, uh, questions from parents and have my community chime in. They are, people are smarter than I am lots people of times. So that's really fun to see. I love, I love your Facebook feed. Yeah. And there's, and I, you know, I post articles and things like that. I also have a blog, so there's places to interact with me there. And, and then if you're on Twitter, follow me on Twitter as well. It's birds and bees, as I said, because I'm so excited about that. But right now, what I really need is for parents to talk to their kids and, for, and to spread the word about me. So if you like this podcast, share the podcast. If you like what you see online, um, share my link to my video. And you can sign up for my newsletter on my homepage and, and on Facebook too. And I send a tip a week to keep you or so keep you on track talking to your kids. And sometimes it's things you're not going to want to hear. Amy, I, <laughs> you sent one out about a polyamorous relationships. Yep. Yeah. And so I was, I, so I talked to my daughter about polyamorous relationships and the look on her face, it was one of those totally out of nowhere. I was sitting in a room, she was straightening her hair and I was like, so 
Do you know that some people have more than one partner? And she was just like, what are you talking about? Why are you talking about this? And I love your newsletters because they are short. Yeah. Right. They're not like take me 25 minutes to read the whole thing. And it, and it's like short and so awesome. So hardcore. Perfect. You know, the language is there. Exactly what I can think about talking about with my kids. And sometimes I read it and I say, mm, not this week. But a lot yes. of times I think, wow, I, I never thought about that conversation. And I'm going to look for an inroad there. So. Thank yeah. you so much for what you put out into the world and for your available, authentic, charming personality. I'm just, I am so grateful that our paths crossed when they did and that I have you on speed dial. Thank you. Thank <laughs> Love you, thank you, lady. And listeners, check out the links in the show notes um, for how to get a hold of and follow Amy and her work. Awesome. All right. Thank Bye, you. Bye, Amy. Thanks. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.